0: Hey, this is Jack Morrissey, ep- welcoming you to episode, we have no idea, and we're not looking it up, of um, episode number team, of Jack. team Jack. Okay, I thought you forgot Who the name, cares, cares, too. Whatever. It doesn't even matter. Have you podcasted before, Jimmy Duvall?
1: I have a few times, yes.
0: Yeah, so Welcome you know. to What
1: the Fuck with Who Mark cares? Aaron. This is episode Everything w- goes. WTF. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> WTF punk. Very appropriate for us. Um, with us today, uh, we have James Duvall. Hello.
2: And Nick, what's your last name again? <laughs> Principi. That's a tough one to pronounce though. It looks weird on paper. Nick Principi. Is it Principia without the A? Principi. Uh just in yeah, All I mean, eyes? Yeah, uh there's... E. P R I N C I P E.
0: Alright, well, you'll always be Chrome Skull to me.
2: Yeah. <laughs> to a lot of people in school.
0: <laughs> um Nick plays Chrome Skull in the Laid to Rest franchise, I guess, right? Of yeah, which there yeah. have been Two? There's,
2: there's two. There'll probably be a third. I just, I don't know when.
1: But Feelings. So the director,
2: the, he's working on uh, Team Wolf. He does all the effects on Team Wolf. But Who TV is it? Show. Rob Hall, Almost Human. Okay. Effects. He did all like the Buffy and Angel stuff. Okay. A lot of that. Um. But yeah, he's directing some of those episodes and things like that. So he's doing that. And then I just get random acting and stunt gigs. You're is also that, in he, Hatchet 2? Yep, yep. Uh,
0: Which a director I know, Tom Holland, who did the original Fright Night, had some part in. Did you meet him?
2: Adam Green directed. Adam Green directed but Tom directed Tom, Tom acted, acted in it. Yeah. 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 Right. He played Daniel Harris. I just dad.
1: did something for Tom Holland uh, last year. His, His web series? Yeah, the web series Twisted Tales. I did one of the episodes with Angela Bettis and uh, Amber Benson. Right. And uh, Tom's son. Josh. Josh Holland, that's right. Sorry for one sec.
3: Nick, I've been looking at you this entire time you've walked in and I'm like, how do I fucking know this guy? I'm good friends with Jatro. Oh, right so on. Nick's in the, yeah, F- so Nick's in the FP. FP then, I was like, sitting here like, well, how do I, I've seen this dude before and I can't think of uh, what. You're totally in the FP, that's funny man. Yeah. Alright, yeah. b- back to the conversation.
0: So, for the uninitiated. You-
3: Everyone knows what the FP is, come on. No, uh, the FP, the FP, the <laughs> FP was a film by, uh, made by my friend Jason Trost, Um Maybe like two or three years ago, it's like a post-apocalyptic dance dance battle revolution movie.
2: It's, it's every it's action hard to movie cliche, but instead of fighting, it's dance dance revolution matches. It's <laughs>
3: Uh it's pretty awesome yeah and Jason's made two more movies since then that have both got, got picked yeah. up so I, he's I a did role. that
2: I was in uh, All Superheroes
1: oh, You're in must Superheroes die, Must die too right yeah. Oh shit you're the strong yeah. man dude yep. yeah, yeah yeah why I had Jay... a big
2: burly mustache
1: Why isn't Jay here I'm actually he's, leaving to Australia he's, tonight He's going to Australia right yeah, now, yeah we're doing we're doing the same Gold Coast show Oh that's so funny Gold man out there. Maybe we'll have to have Travis down now now that he's brought up yeah. And didn't we all just work on something like some
3: short
2: Yeah we we actually all did this I mean it's so <laughs> incestual um we did this short, what do you want to call it? It was a short film, right? Uh, yeah, a know.
1: short trying to get funding for uh, full-length a full length feature. It's like short. a
2: werewolf thing, like a really morbid little red riding hood thing. Right. It's got werewolf rape and...
1: He's the werewolf raper.
3: <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. The but werewolf rapist. <laughs> He's
0: the werewolf <laughs> rapist. <sighs> Were rapist.
3: While the werewolf is transformed, you rape it?
2: Uh, no.
0: I'm, it's a person that gets raped, not a net. Matt Cohen. We know how you think.
2: It's a Red Riding- I rape Red Riding I'm Hood. Wolf. Yeah, I'm the wolf. It was tough.
0: And you were in that as well, Jay? Yeah, I'm the guy who kind of- You're the grandmother? Yeah. I mean, who's left? If he's the wolf and you're not Red Riding Hood, who's left in that story? There's, well, there's Just a, the grandmother.
1: Sort of, well, there's- It's loosely based on it. She, without giving too much away, she basically- It's about Red Riding Hood and she gets shot in the shoulder and, <laughs> and, and By J. a young man comes upon her and okay. finds- the arrow and rescues her, and they kiss, right. and they fall in love. And the sun starts to go down, and the and the man played by me freaks out and runs away. Right. And so, the wolf comes out. So basically, I am the wolf. Nick and I are the same character.
0: Oh, I got it. Yeah, got he, it. I, he's me I'm after the I transform. Warrior. Got it. Cuckoo,
2: Eliot, um,
0: and the <laughs> the laid to rest series is. Tell me the level of. Um, popularity that's around that right now is it not quite hatchet or better or more than hatchet but less than something else
2: Um, that's something that that kind of comes up i i i think god rob would kill me
0: but well how many cons have you been to signing at oh
2: geez if if it's me versus kane kane's gonna win that all day i mean you know he's Kane's friend, in, Jay, Kane Hodder, yeah, he's played Jason the most, and, you know, he's Victor
0: Crowley, who plays ha- he is. He's Hatchet? Hatchet. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Got it. Um, Are you down with Hatchet, yeah. Yeah. Matt
2: Cohen? Yeah, I know Adam
3: Green, and I'm friends with BJ, who made Hatchet 3, which yeah. is J-Tro's actually in. Yeah,
2: J-Tro's all, is in that, too. Like I, I said, very incestual. How do we spell J-Tro? Jason Trost, yeah.
0: Alright, got it. Got it. Okay.
2: But, um... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We're, like, close. Hatchet came first, so, you know, there's always that, and um, but you know, I got the cover of Fangoria. So did they. That was oh like, really. That was the yeah April two thousand nine. Do you have that framed on your wall? Uh, shadow boxed, and I think yeah, my mom should. owns at least sixty copies. That was <laughs> that was <laughs> like if I died tomorrow, I didn't yeah. care because that was like my. I mean, you know, I don't know. You're. Probably about my. 80s, I grew up right? on
0: Fangoria. Yeah, my yeah, mom gave was, me a subscription until I
2: could make my own money when I was like 13. And used to buy. It. That sure. was the only way you heard about horror stuff
1: yeah. back then. There was yeah.
2: no quacky interweb. No, well, back then you could like go to discussion. the 17 and over
1: magazine section and actually read Fangoria <sighs> at 11 and 12, and they never said anything to you. I remember it was right. I- <laughs> <laughs> that was in the 80s, before when we were still smart enough to not be told that we shouldn't be doing things. <laughs> <laughs> I-,
2: I grew up in Rhode Island and I had to walk like. A little bit to like an IGA market where they had issues of Fangoria and Gorezone. I remember. Wow. But Gorezone used to freak yeah. me out. And Gorezone, Gorezone
0: was by the editors of Fangoria. Yeah, right? Starlog. The Starlog. But it's kind of on the later side. Yeah. Mm. I would say Gorezone was what, late 80s, early 90s? Yeah,
2: I'd say something. It didn't last. And short-lived. Long yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, Wow, damn. Um, I'm just looking through your IMDb credits. Having met you like five minutes ago, and um, how come "All Superheroes Must Die" is referred to at IMDb as "Versus"?
2: That's what it was titled for. Jeez, like a year, pretty much. And oh, really? Somewhere around like Toronto After Dark, I saw. I hadn't talked to J. John in like two months and I saw I was playing Toronto after dark. And I'm like, oh, what's this all superheroes must die thing? I'm like, oh, that's right. pretty cool. Oh wait, I'm, I'm in that. I, th- I thought it was <laughs> called versus. Right. You know, and he's like, oh yeah, Jay's a very fucking, you know, <laughs> however that stuff works, you know.
0: Um, tell me about Chrome Skull. What's the character look like as I literally go to Google images and look it up? It's, it's
1: <laughs> awesome. He's just, it's uh, awesome. like,
2: he kind of looks like a, very large old timey psychiatrist, like like a black suit and um turtleneck and then it's just my shaved head with like a, a stuck on chrome skull <laughs> yep that's the for the not dissimilar pair. from frank <laughs> yeah right? I mean, right well
0: you can see why we're friends, yeah, not dissimilar from Frank the bunny and Donnie Darko uh which Jimmy played um and so how many um how many of these did you get to keep? Uh, I only, or would you rather not discuss it on a live mic?
2: No, no. It's not too bad. I, have, I have one that was in my contract from the first film. Is that, like, right. I, any, I played a bunch of slashers and creature effects and stuff like that. I always right. keep something. Madison right. County, another yeah, film that comes That was the slasher movie, yeah, yeah.
0: And you kept a piece from that?
2: Yeah, yeah. I always keep something, a piece of the wardrobe, a weapon, you something. You have to. You know, I would, yeah, I would we'll do your best so. to anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, not, okay, no. Not keeping uh, no. Exactly. <laughs> the character <but, laughs> actually were, But you like, need to take care of business. I mean, <laughs> for like a straight d- d- DVD flick, I mean, it had a super limited theatrical run, not even really worth mentioning, but in Germany... <laughs> Is it huge? It's Crump, like, like the Beatles over there. Really? I remember I was coming from a convention over there, and I was with uh Ken Perret. And there's always like uh, Shia LaBeouf was staying at our hotel, too. And there was like all these people out in front of the hotel. Okay. And I was like, oh, it's probably for Ken or they're waiting for Shia to come out. And I go out there, and then like a third of them were like all for me. Wow! Well, I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" And like awesome a lot of the that? promoters and stuff, they like they don't want those people because like you know they're getting pictures for free, God forbid, and signatures for free. So and they're like, "You can't do that." I'm how like, cool "The fuck, that? I'm not doing this!" I'm like, "There's people waiting outside my hotel." Are you kidding me? Who's first?
0: <laughs> it's a cool looking character.
1: Oh, it's an awesome and character. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I mean, totally. The
2: thing that sets it apart is um, the kills. I mean, the kills are like the budget for the kills. If the director wasn't a special effects artist, would be, like, probably a quarter or half a million dollars. Wow. And, you know, he does it for costs, so he can really go off on it, you know? Wow. There's um, a cool little reel on YouTube of, like, just the kills that, like, some fans have put together.
0: Okay. We'll put that in the illustrated episode guide then. Um, and do you know for sure that there's going to be... It looks like he's... So he's got a shoulder-mounted
2: webcam... Yeah, he's got a little camera there. He likes to relive that stuff. From himself or he's, is he... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's all him. He, there's, like, in the first collecting. one... It's for yeah. posterity. Yeah, in the oh, first yeah. one you see, he's got, like, a a tray of tapes that just say, like, Miami, Dakota. Okay. Like, just different towns and stuff like that. Okay. God,
0: there's a lot of fan art already of this character. Dude, Google it's images. nuts. It's there's really a ton of
2: tattoos. Uh... I have, like, a little page on my Facebook of, like, the kids that get tattoos. This one wow. kid in England has the insides of his wrists, um, one half of the skull with a knife on one arm and one half of the skull knife on the other. So he puts his arms together. It forms it? Yeah, and this <laughs> other kid's got his whole leg done a at skull stuff, a bunch of people in Germany. Wow. Super, super flattering.
0: That's kind of awesome, dude. I have to say I'm pretty impressed by a lot of this stuff that I'm flipping through literally as I'm listening to you. Again on Google Images.
1: Um, nice shirt, Jack.
2: I know. What's up, right? Yeah, right. You have one? That's awesome.
1: I'm No, I don't actually. But so I don't hold the microphone that. away from my mouth.
0: Um, Jimmy and I met in nineteen ninety. Twenty years ago, when I was yeah. getting ready to shoot
1: Doom, and we were talking about totally. Yeah, Left it was up.
0: after Totally Fucked Up. Yeah. The first in Greg so-called Teenage Apocalypse trilogy, which, which then encompassed Doom Generation and concluded with Nowhere. Yes. Right?
1: And yeah. believe it or not, we did a film short in between Doom and Nowhere, Jordan Ladd, myself, and, uh, Craig's boyfriend at the time, Jay LaPlante, uh, which still sits on the shelf to this day.
0: Unreleased? Unreleased. Unreleased. And it had a long and chewy title, didn't it?
1: Yeah, I think that one was called, uh, There Is No Time for Dreaming. Yeah. Yeah. Or was it something else? Well, we did a pilot That's for MTV that was called "This Is How the World Ends." That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, and that was yeah. in 2000. Right. If you go on some, if you just type in Greg Araki," "This Is How the World Ends," even though we Greg never got the rights, such up, a great title. Yeah, yeah, you'll be able to find it online. People have posted it up. It's you know terrible VHS quality, but it exists out there.
0: Right. Was That's totally it. fucked up. The first movie you ever did.
1: That was my first film. Yeah.
0: He found you right
1: in a cafe. Yeah, a coffee and, shop.
0: Uh, wasn't it an ice
1: cream store in Melrose? Ice cream coffee bar called the Double Rainbow double Cafe. Double Rainbow, Double Scoop, something yeah, like the that. The Double Rainbow, yeah.
0: <laughs> um are you still friendly?
1: We are, yeah, absolutely, we talk all the time. Um I worked on, he just finished doing a new movie, uh, I think uh, White Angel's the name of it. Okay. Uh, I may very well be mistaken on that, but uh, I did his, I worked with him on his last film, Kaboom, that was just released a few years ago. Okay. Which was kind of a throwback to the Teenage Trilogy and... Right. You know, so he, he you know, it was very nice to come back in and kind of a nod to the Teenage trilogy fans out there.
0: Who um,
1: Thomas Decker, who worked with uh Nick, started it.
0: Yeah Starting
1: Kaboom. Yes. Right. Who
0: um, just rattle off I know nowhere is the chewy one, but um, starting with Totally Fucked Up and then into Doom Generation and then Nowhere the actors, other actors who are in those three movies.
1: Um, one of them, Rocco Bellick, uh, from Totally Effed Up is actually now quite an accomplished filmmaker. Uh, uh-huh. he's had his short nominated at the Oscars some few years back. Oh, really? I've yeah. Heard of that uh, show. he was in film school actually with Greg when we started shooting and Greg asked him to be an actor in the film. Okay. Uh, most of the actors, including myself at the time, were non-actors when we went in. Myself, Gilbert Luna, Rocco Bellick, uh, Susan Bichette and, oh, don't kill me, Jenny. I'm not remembering your last name right now. That's uh, what
0: we have IMDb for.
1: Keep um, rolling, and then of course I the love that interweb. <laughs> yeah, we had I another. Love we had that another kind of an established actor, which was the first real actor I had worked with, uh Alan Boyce, who'd starred in Permanent Record with Keanu Reeves, and right? Seven Minutes in Heaven. Uh, oh my God, which just time. came out on DVD. Uh, finally,
0: yeah, I uh, bought it. I love that movie.
1: Yeah, that was that was the actor about that
0: Seven Minutes in Heaven.
1: Yeah, it, it, whose last name were you, Space Gen- Jennifer? Jennifer Gill. Jennifer Gill. That's it. Jenny Gill. She's, yeah a she, knows,
0: she she now goes by Janae, by the way.
1: Janae. That's, E Yeah, that. it's been that long. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of really cool to be working on a movie like that with a bunch of non-actors and indie film when no one even knew what indie film was, really. Right. Um, this is the early 90s, you know, so we were shooting it guerrilla style on 16 millimeter film. Right. Um, with Marcus Hugh, the head of Strand,
0: releasing. Yes. Playing one of, it looks like a few, characters called Fagbasher. He's that's one of them, yes. One word. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like could be another killer in a uh, in a, a, a political horror movie these days. Oh dude, you played Fagbasher. <laughs> I have your face on the inside of
1: my it. forearms, yeah. exactly.
2: <laughs> you see um, the guy um, shrugging.
1: Yeah, so you know, uh, so that's being like, my first experience and it was Greg and I had such a great time together that we ended up doing Doom Generation together. Right. Uh, with Rose McGowan and Jonathan Sheck, you know, right. and that was filled with uh, some great cameos with, uh, everybody from Lauren Toos. Um, from yeah, Julie the Cruise director Julie from the, the Love Boat TV series in the 70s. Christopher Night, Peter Brady. Right. To, uh, Don Galloway from... <laughs> Skinny Puppy. Uh, God, it was that FBI show in the 70s? Uh, yeah, we had Skinny Puppy, that's right. Skinny Puppy, the right. entire band was in that. And you had... Parker Posey, Nikki Cat from Days and Confused. You already mentioned Jeremy Jordan, right? Um, Jeremy Jordan was with one of the... Many, many actors that I had the very fortunate pleasure to work with in nowhere. Heather Graham, Jeremy right. Jordan, Ryan Philippi, Jordan Ladd, right. uh Guillermo Diaz, again Alan Boyce, uh Chiara Mastriani, Debbie Mazar, um Mina Savari. Right. I mean, it's incredible the actors that he was able to pull out of that, Denise Richards, and I mean, it really does go on Gibby Haynes from Butthole Surfers. Right. I mean, he just really was able to fill that movie up, and it was great to see everybody kind of come out. That
0: was sort of the peak of a moment in independent film.
1: It really was. And you know, we filmed it in 95 and came out in 96, yeah. so it really was kind of the peak of it, I think, Yeah, at least for the original resurgence of it in the 90s, yeah. you know, not including Jim Jarmusch or John Cassavetes, who were... Really pretty much the pioneers, but the
2: biggest thing that trips me out with that is like when we're at conventions or whatever with him or Uh like Ralph's, (laughs) which is the
0: same thing, you know, yeah, yeah, (laughs) but like
2: these like straight lace, like people like. They look from the like they're from like Ohio or something like, and they come up and like, oh, you know, I love your work, I love your work. I always think I'm like, oh, they're gonna say Independence Day or Dawn of and they're like, right. nope, they read it's the Iraqi movies. Yeah, yeah, okay. like 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 couples, like forty year old huh. couples, yeah, stuff like I that. Had
1: a show in Ohio- Cincinnati, Ohio, and this couple that dude, was in their fifties came in and they're like, Doom Generation. That's one of our favorite movies. Wow, just blows me away. man. Yeah. blows
2: well, me away. The thing you have to say
0: about that is number one, it is a trilogy, not of there are no connecting characters. No, correct? the
1: characters don't connect. It's, it's a trilogy it's in a a sense loose, of sort sort of an
0: apocalypse and team. themes, right? Yeah. But um, you are the lead in all three of those pictures and in that way you are not dissimilar physically from Greg Araki. It could be said that during that period Greg saw you as something of a cinematic alter ego.
1: That would be. I think so. I, I, I think so too. In the I, same way I, that Richard Pryce nice was Spielberg's
0: cinematic alter ego, or
1: it's 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 a, it's it's absolutely you know. A, a, I think there's a lot a of truth to that. it pleasure and an honor that. for me to be involved with Greg on that level for quite a long time because that's still the foundation of everything for me as an actor and as an artist is what I learned and how I developed working with Craig under these really kind of real and really tough conditions. conditions. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No money, no no time. There
1: was no media. There was no tweeting. There was no getting on the internet. There was nothing like that existed when we were doing these movies. Yeah. So when you were doing something, you were really doing it because you loved it. You had no idea whether anyone would ever see this. Yeah. I still remember... Doing totally effed up, and then trying to meet agents after that, saying, "Oh, well, have you done anything?" I'm just like, "Yeah, actually, there was a lead in a film by independent filmmaker Greg Araki is, right you know, independent got best independent film feature in 1989 by the LA Film Critics Circle for written about in the, the New weekend. York and, Times, et cetera. Yeah, I at, mean, at, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna the film's gonna play at the, the Sundance were Film Festival by the at press. that time. Yeah, at that time, agents was, like, oh, what's the Sundance Film Festival? Yeah. so they didn't know what that was. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was so much different making those movies back then. As well as the, I think the mentality of people in society. I mean, you didn't make films about gay characters or openly gay themes. Yeah, no, it was. They were very,
0: very What was that moment that. called? The new queer
1: something? It was called or other. the Queer New Wave. Queer New Wave. Which Gregor right. Rocky was a part of Tom Kalen, Todd Haynes. Right. And it was absolutely Probably like not probably it was one of the high points of my life to be a part of this movement, yeah, and this voice that was so independent and so unique and not done for any other reason than for to truly express yourself in and a way they, that
0: all nobody the was made a real impact in terms of people knowing about them at least in the urban centers and stuff like that. none of them made a lot of money no, it wasn't the point
1: no it wasn't about that it was it about was, a,
0: it was really just getting, getting your, thing your point out of view there. out there yeah. yeah being
1: able to have a voice where there wasn't a voice for that before
0: yeah. And really experimenting a lot with style and...
1: And playing it with moving, really working out the box. There's a the reason box. New
0: Wave is part of that title of that movement. I mean... The same thing as himself. Godard and so Truffaut. Very much in the same spirit as Godard and Truffaut. Godard, yeah. Absolutely. And, Godard, and it totally Godard. effed up.
1: Being a huge influence for masculine feminine directly uh, is why we were going to the video footage of the characters back and forth. Right.
0: Uh, um, in Nowhere... Your boyfriend's, your boyfriend was Nathan Bexton?
1: Um, I wanted him to be my boyfriend, uh, at the culmination of the end of the film when he comes to me and yeah, says he that he's been looking it for someone to kind of, like yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. So plug yours yeah. if you don't want to hear it, but that <laughs> blows up in my face, just right. like all true love.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it withers on the vine. Um, what's up with him? How is he? Uh,
1: last time I saw him, he was doing really well. He was really buff. Is he married actually. with kids? No, I haven't spoken to him, and I lost touch with him about three years ago. Okay, I would have actually liked. He moved to brought... away for a while, right? He moved away a few times and back and forth, but I don't. I just, I just literally like kind of poof, and I haven't spoken with him. His line was disconnected, and I never got a wow. hold of him again. Well, deleted his
0: Facebook. Indie movies, right? Yeah, I mean, the people who are involved with him, They come and go.
1: Yeah, most of my friends over the years. Um, Jeremy Jordan. I bump into him once while he's married and he's doing really well. He looks great. Yeah. Really healthy.
0: That's good. There was a period. The thing I remember about that dude, I remember when he was in nowhere, it was like a thing, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, this Jeremy Jordan cameo. And I didn't really know anything about, didn't he have like a
1: pop song or some shit? He was a huge kind of pop star for at least a, for a moment, right?
0: I remember when I lived in, um, North Jersey, I would buy interview magazine. And there was an issue of Interview that came out where he was photographed naked holding a skull, and I was like, Who "Sounds the like f- Danny Masterson and, f- and Smiley like, Face. Who is this guy? You know." not that way he was holding it more head, more eye level um he skull and then i saw him in that movie and then i saw him in some other movie and he looked like shit yeah and you know he had a really like, had a rough happens? period it's a, you know it's and then he came back yeah he looked I, good last time you
1: saw him yeah i hate to say it you know it, but, but now it's there's true, another jeremy jordan that everybody Trump thinks town.
0: is like when i hear jeremy jordan all i think of is that dude i don't know the
1: other i've not there's some other, other jeremy
0: one. jordan now who people talk about I don't know. Not anyway. Her. Yeah, I don't know him. Um, so after the Teenage Apocalypse trilogy, you could say in a, in a, did the Teenage Apocalypse trilogy bring you to the attention of Roland Emmerich?
1: It did very much so, actually. It was, uh, funny to be discovered kind of twice, you know, once by Gregor Rockina in a cafe. Right. And do his film Totally Effed Up and Doom Generation. And then when I was waitering a few years later. La Pubelle. At La Poubelle. Poubel, Roland, Roland and Dean came, in, came in. Roland and Dean together and they yeah. he's like you know, he pointed he's like totally effed up that's that's you that's a great movie and i'm thinking yeah. you know this movie hasn't even been released like how do you know this yeah I, but Bell says, did keep a poster on know, the door didn't uh, they we had a poster on the door and that's how he yeah. saw it but he but you know i put it up because i didn't think anyone would know i mean we like <laughs> we didn't have internet or anything like yeah. that so at least i could put up a poster of the door i the restaurant i worked yeah. at yeah yeah and uh he turned, you know, Greg, I, I mean, uh, pardon me, Roland just turned to me and said, I'm a huge Gregor Rocky fan. I love The Living End. I saw right. it at Sundance. I saw Totally Upped Up at Sundance. And I right. thought you were fantastic. Are you still acting? And, I, you know, sort of like, yeah, can I take your order? And, yeah, exactly. You know, so we kind of developed this friendship, you know, Roland and Dean and myself and, uh, they asked what I was doing. I said I was still acting, that I actually had a f- another film with Gregor Rocky called The Doom Generation that was going to be playing in Sundance. Right. And if they are in Park City, please come see us. And sure enough, at the Doom Generation screen, he was there. Roland was there. Wow. And, uh, it was shortly after that, you know, uh, I'd come back, went back to my restaurant job because I just took a few, like a week off to do Sundance. And, uh, right. Roland and Dean had gone off to write Independence Day. And when they came right. back, they just.
0: was after following the success of. Stargate. Universal Soldier and then Stargate, Absolutely which really true. put them on the map yeah. for MGM. And,
1: and was able, to, you know, they were able to really do something they wanted to do that was completely yeah. theirs for the first time. I mean, yeah. Stargate was too, but Independence Day was, you know, I think they put it, the option up in the morning and a couple hours later they had it greenlit. Yeah, that was
0: part of the deal. It's yeah. like Fox, it was, um offered out to like three or four studios and part of the deal, part of the, the terms were, we want this, that, the other thing, the other thing, the other thing, and the other thing, and a green light is included in your winning bid. Those guys and Fox are, prevailed.
1: Yeah, those guys are actually uh brilliant. And uh I know Roland and Dean would probably disagree and maybe laugh if they heard me say, it, but it's absolutely true. Um I learned quite a bit from both of them as well. And Roland, uh uh-huh. he's the one. I think of all the people that I've worked with over the years, and I've worked with some pretty amazing people that I have only the best of things to say. But something Roland said stuck with me years ago when we were in Mexico, and uh, they were there for Godzilla, and you know the reviews were coming back, and it was made making money, but it wasn't same terrible as reviews. Day. Yeah, it's like they yeah. built us up for Independence Day, and to as tear as well, him yeah. down for Godzilla. Correct. And I remember Dean was, you know, he was a little despondent about it, and Roland turned to him and goes, "Look, Dean, we did the best that we could." Yeah. Okay. okay, It didn't work. That happens. Look, we're not pretending to be geniuses, but we're you know, if we work really hard and always do our best, one day we'll become craftsmen, and that's when it hit me. That's what I'm trying to do as an actor. I'm not trying to hit it or be in that big movie. I'm just developing myself as an artist.
0: Right. Honestly. So that when you're 56 years old, you can be a craftsman. So I can. And then maybe when you're 84, you can be an artist for about one moment before you shit your last.
1: Hey, that that counts too, right? That counts too. I mean, Martin Landau, Marty Landau is another perfect example. I just finished doing a movie with him last year and, uh, to see him and his, you know, work with him and be around him and the energy he exudes and the intelligence and the experience. It's incredible. Robert, Bob Duvall was the same way. Jenna Rollins was the same way. You know, but it really was for me to see this, be working with this true craftsman. Right. I mean, Nick and I are always quoting the lines. Like, oh, you're really great. It's Boris Karloff's sidekick. Sidekick? <laughs> Karloff? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Karloff doesn't deserve to smell my shit. Yeah, you know, and here's a guy. he James Dean's best friend at one point. Is that know. true? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> he was James Dean's photo subject. Wow. If you look at all of James Dean's photos, they're Marty Landau. Wow. You know, he, uh, so he was d- out around in the 50s during the, you know, the Method years and the Schwab's drugstore. And right. He was a part of that whole scene. You know, he'd given his apartment to Harry Dean Stanton when Harry Dean Stanton was starting out. You know, wow. so The guy's a living legend. He's in North by North. You know, when I I remember when I first met him, he's like, "I don't know if you've ever heard of Alfred Hitchcock." <laughs> like oh, yeah. North by Northwest, <laughs> is Marty. Yeah. Because of he just I know presumed
0: it. he just presumes that you're a young Youngie, dumb fuck.
1: Yeah, no, no yeah. But he never treat he, he always treated me with the utmost respect. But yeah, because he is, you know, with the experience and wisdom yeah. and the age of, you know, Marty. Totally. He, he, I think, he makes the allowances for that with most people.
0: Um, what's the first digit now? Eight. Or nine.
1: I believe it's late in late eighties, late eighties, maybe, maybe early nines.
0: Wow, crazy.
1: Yeah, and he's got his wits about him, and he's absolutely mesmerizing to watch. Wow.
2: What was that story, Corey
3: said? Like, it was oh, like there's a great story with Corey. Yeah, it's Marlon Wayne. We gotta get that. Yeah. Oh. Marlon Is Marlon at the door this time? Uh, it's not really Marlon Wins. Um, that's awesome, dude. I like. This is gonna be embarrassing. I didn't realize Martin Landau was still alive, let alone yeah, like, yeah, right. <laughs> like Ed Wood was like, yeah, obviously, uh, like the last. You're looking at was, him and you're going, wow, he's getting up there. But yeah. I think, believe it or not, a lot of that was a lot that was like makeup, of right? yeah. I thought he was
1: dead. Yeah, he's, I
3: guess he was in like his early 70s. It was just <laughs> yeah, a lot of makeup. Yeah.
1: And gives this performance. It's yeah, oh, the most amazing he's thing ever. Oscar yeah. performance. Yeah, that that movie. Oscar-winning incredible.
2: makeup also.
1: Uh-huh. But um, yeah, that was a you know the movie I did with Marty Landau was really quite something else, kind of in the sci-fi vein a little bit. It's uh, a new up-and-coming filmmaker Corey Cataldo, who biggest influence is Gregoraki, believe it or not. Wow! Wrote this script set in the future where contractualism kind of takes over, and half the population goes to sleep on a drug and lives out their rest of their life in this drug in this fantasy world that fails. That, that huh. Martin Landau's character Ward creates. Okay. And the drug fails after 20 years. Okay. So half the population wake up and they're in house arrest. Huh. So I've actually played the father in it. I play 55, you know, much what? younger than my, well, you figure you take the 20 years and since I, you know, without giving too much away, I, we, you know, you're all on health plans when you're put under. And since I had the most expensive health plan, I actually didn't age for 20 years. Right. So okay. when I wake up, all my kids are looking my age and I'm really right. kind of freaked out by huh. that. But you know, Michael Gladys plays my son. Marguerite Moreau plays my daughter, uh, Ring Telefson plays my other son, um, god, it's been so many films, I've been Unfortunately, I'm trying to remember have like everybody's name, IMDb but credits. yeah, Alexis Dezenya is uh, the love interest of Michael Gladys. And where did you shoot this? We shot this here in Los Angeles, up the top of Beachwood Canyon, sort of this castle. Okay, huh. Yeah. Um, oh, Harold Perrineau as well. who's absolutely fantastic. From uh, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. That's and him. That's what I told you. Know, yeah. I'm like, I, I was really excited to be working with this this cast as well. And I think this movie is really kind of, without giving too much away, it's about a guy who's jerking off to a girl through a window because you can't leave your house. Okay. And falls in love with her, and through that he changes the world.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. Jump from Martin Landau to Mark Hamill.
1: Mark Hamill. Jimmy yes. and
0: I are both like, and I don't know, Nick Star yeah. Wars well, baby yeah, or all not. All yeah, same uh, generation. Absolutely. Yeah, we're all Star Wars yep. kids. So I told Jimmy today as we were like putting it together over a series of text text messages, getting ready to do this. Like, well, we'll definitely talk. A lot about Donnie Darko, but we also have to, of course, talk Star Wars and LFL now being owned by Disney and yeah, was- Kathy George Kennedy, Kathy. JJ. That's
2: bullshit. right?
1: Oh yeah, that
0: was April Fool's.
2: That's, no, no. Yeah, no.
0: it's total bullshit. Right. I could like, what's wrong with that idea, though?
2: Death to Star Trek. That's what's.
1: Right. I just, well, now, well, the, the, I the, no. The it. amazing thing about it now is both Star Trek and Star Wars are being helmed by J.J. Abrams. I know.
2: I know. Yeah, he's just big that that lord. And, and, yeah, and, and I he hate to start a new Scientology. I, I understand where you're
1: right. coming yeah. from, but I did, really did like the first Star Trek. and I'm dying to see the new one. I'm yeah, actually. actually J. J. Abrams see, one yeah. was like cool. He, I
2: mean, just as a movie lover, but just oh god, just. Ugh. Not Star Trek. Yeah, yeah it's just. I, you know, me. I didn't
1: have that I didn't have yeah. that problem. I'm not as huge as huge of a Star Trek fan as other people, but I did I was a fan growing up. I right. didn't see how it could work, and to me, it he made it work again.
0: It works. It works. Whether well, or not how it compelling awful. it is. Well I'm a not Commodore
2: sure. sixty four still works, but <laughs> you're not gonna use it. You know what I mean? Like you could yeah. still use a Commodore sixty four, yeah.
1: but, but you well know, I I'm curious. I'm curious to see what JJ does with the new Star Wars and you know, I'm I'm in a way, not absolutely shocked that they're doing these and that even the sale transition from Lucasfilm straight to Disney happened. I'm not yeah. really actually completely surprised by yeah. any of those
0: um, moves. How do you really feel though about the prospect of seeing Hamill, Ford and Fisher like in the, in the drag again at their age, at their current weight with their current hair color? I mean, when you look at Mark Hamill now, God bless, but it's like you want – it's like to really make that work. When I look at at how Mark Hamill looks now, and I just met Christopher Atkins like a week or two well, ago. He's in
1: great shape still. He looks the same. But but they look their age. Christopher you know? Atkins did? Well, I saw him a couple years at Chiller, and I was shocked. He looked great. I saw him a couple of weeks ago. and All right. Maybe it was longer than a couple um, years ago. I'm getting, but I'm of getting course, up to myself.
0: But we all live in Southern California, and everybody everyone spends a lot of time outside under the sun, et cetera. Anyway, when you look at Mark Hamill now, I think of Mark Hamill as, it's like, emperor. (laughs) Because his face is just, I mean, or like Jedi, unbelievably exalted Jedi master. But, I mean, you can see the mileage on Mark Hamill's face to say nothing of the fact that he did go through the windshield of his car after A New Hope. And he did have a very, very primitive virgin, version, version, version of what's called plastic surgery. Yes. And as somebody true. once said to me, the problem with a lot of early plastic surgeries were given the technology and the materials used, they don't hold up that well over a span of decades and you have like continental drift when he right, right. Wants to start separating, <laughs> and what's Mark Hamill going to do about that? Well, what, Nothing we, well, but be who he is. Yeah, you
1: know. You know and but you, you could take you could take that in a lot of different directions because the other thing too is, is a lot of time has passed by since we've seen that character at Star Wars. We don't really know what he's been through. These could be war scars, and when you start to change what's behind that, I think that can no, change awesome. the entire dynamic of that character. I also and think I,
3: you're you're giving it far too much credit, Jack. Like early plastic surgery, they just put him in a back to tank. That was the joke. That was the joke I was fucking dying for, guys. And you were like talking, and I was like, "Just let me say, back to tank. Let me get in there, and get out.
0: Back to tank in his diaper, in his <laughs> big white but, hoth you know, diaper." I just, I
3: just
1: recently worked yeah, I with. Sure I just, you know, yeah. Exactly. You, you, you brought up Mark, and I just recently finished a film with him that's now out called Sushi Girl. And, right,
0: uh, which a lot, which a lot of people have been talking about. And You had a big premiere at the at the Chinese, Chinese yeah. Theater. It, I'm I will never refer to it as the TLC Chinese Theater never because they either. didn't pay me five million dollars yeah. for naming rights. Go fuck yourself. And who wants it's to learn Grams. TLC?
1: Fuck that. I'm not saying that. I know.
0: So, Too long. Um, unless it's tender Tenderloin. No, there like was that. a huge premiere down there, right? Yes, a couple weeks ago, a couple three uh, a weeks couple ago, couple months ago, actually. Oh really? A couple months
1: ago, and then we came Welcome out on the...
0: life in Southern California.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then we came out. We were in the theaters in LA and New York for a few weeks, and then, uh, we're out on DVD and Blu-ray since the end of February. Who
0: directed, as Jennifer Harson
1: uh, would say? First time director, Kern Saxton. He also wrote okay. it with, uh, another gentleman who produced it, uh, one of our producers, Destin Foff, Okay. Who's also on Millionaire Matchmaker. Alright. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I'm plugging that, but I definitely gotta plug, uh, Destin Foff and his wife, Rachel. They're fantastic.
0: Um. Was that your first time meeting Hamill?
1: It was my first time meeting Hamill and, uh. Was it good for you? It was amazing for me. (laughs) Well, you know, it's so funny because he's such a legend really, you know, and he came and he's such a, he's actually such a nice guy. Right. And he, and he really is so wise and has so much experience and knowledge behind him over the years. Still living in Malibu? Still living in Malibu, yeah. We went to have the barbecue at his house last year, uh, last summer. It was a lot of fun. It was just a bunch of the Sushi Girl family. Did you
0: shit your pants? No, I mean, I was, you kind of got, like,
1: it was just exciting to go. I brought my father and my, I was engaged at the time, so I brought my fiance with me. So it was like, it was a high point in my life because I did tell Mark, it took me a long time to tell him because I didn't tell him while we were really filming. It wasn't until we were finished filming and much after doing promo, promotional. Uh, Touring, that I told him that, you know, I actually called him out in the, middle, in the middle of one of the Q&As at Comic-Con and said the reason why I was an actor was because of him. Right. So if no one liked my performance, get mad at Mark. <laughs> and, you know, uh, it's, it's true. You know, uh, he was a big influence on me, and, and, and not just the character of luke because i told him you know i watched corvette summers i watched the night the lights went out yeah. in georgia and yeah uh, you know I, I tried to watch everything he'd slipstream with bill yeah. paxton exactly everything he, everything remember that to, produced I by to, gary kurtz yeah and he's got that beard and he's he's yeah rough and tumble. He's nothing like yeah. the characters you knew him and you know he'd also done broadway for a long time he was on stage for a long time even before he i don't think voice
2: luke i think the voice of the joker
0: yeah and that's
1: and which is what is he's that, known for now is
0: that
2: true for you nick what's that
0: like you really don't think when you, when I think when I think when of Mark, Mark Hamill, Hamill, you that's what you, that's your first go to well, now. Well,
2: first is is Skywalker, obviously. Okay, and then second is like just a couple times like being around him and he's like, hey, I don't know. And he just it's just like, oh dude, fuck. <laughs> Have yeah, you spent time with it's him? The Joker.
1: Now he's he's a great guy. And The thing is, is everyone was too shy to even bring up Star Wars with him, and everyone's like, don't oh, talk the about the elephant in the yeah, room. don't talk about Star Wars with Mark. I mean, none of us. That's a, that's yeah. absolutely right, and so out of respect, we didn't. Although you know, all of us it's want all to. And, dudes like mid Yeah, and I'm, see, yeah, I'm and sitting. I'm, we're we're filming this movie. And and I'm sitting like in a room with Mark Hamill across blue balls me, Tony Todd the to my right, Mark Hamill, Tony Todd, and, and this great up-and-coming young actor named Andy McKenzie who's just a powerhouse. Noah Hathaway to my left. And a naked girl with sushi on her in front of me with Mark for two days and, you know. Great yeah. craft service on that. Yeah, so there was quite a bit to talk about, but you know, I remember at one point it was no one wanted to talk about it. And then finally Tony Todd just like, so Mark, Tony how can you never, never want to talk about Star Wars? Yeah. <laughs> and
0: then ha- Hamill's like, how come you never want to talk about Candyman?
1: No, it, it gets, no, this gets, this gets even better because this is what makes a Mark a total sweetheart. So Mark's like, you know, I guess, I don't know, I guess, you know, I don't, I'm just not really a big fan of those movies. That's why I don't really want to talk about him. I and at that point, is that- every, uh, bear he with me. so he okay. said it and all the actors at the table, because we're sitting around the table and all the crew just kind of, you get this and you can feel it of everyone going, Oh yeah. Nodding without saying it. The entire right. room. And then you wait about twenty, twenty five minutes and Mark's like, You know when we were filming Empire? And then the stories just pour out right. for the rest of the shoot. And so he knew that's what people wanted to hear, you know, so he we talked a lot about theater and film and acting right. and making film and how things have changed and our characters and what we were doing and you know, but we also talked about Star Wars a lot, which was really another uh, – you're talking about stars with the Jedi Master himself, yeah. Luke Skywalker. Yeah.
0: Who will be back.
1: Who will be back. And, you know, it's actually great to see things come full circle because for those of you who haven't seen Sushi Girl, he definitely has – Broken the mold of Mark Hamill as an actor with this film and this character. And I remember watching him film a few sequences and just saying, watching it on the monitor and just turning to the director and everybody after watching a few texts. Like, he has just essentially killed Luke Skywalker. Oh, really? Don't know what I'm talking about. Watch him in this film. Is it out on home video yet? No. It's it's out on home video now. It's on Netflix. It's it's streaming. We're all, yeah, we're all over. Uh, you can get us Blu-ray, DVD. Okay. Target, Best Buy. Right. Okay. Awesome.
0: Donnie Darko. How'd you get in there? Um, you know, just it was, another bizarre fucking indie script that came across your.
1: It, well, it's that too. But you know, it wasn't even so much. that I was like, throw. You know, at the time w- with my agents, I was and I was never necessarily like, throw me this kind of character. I want to be the drug addict hustler. Right, right. I want to be the lawyer who's you know struggling against the the. Opposition of injustice in the justice system, and it's like I just don't think along those lines. I, for me, I'm right. such a fan of movies that I more just want to work with the actors that I love, and the filmmakers I love, and the writers, and the people who make movies that I love. That's who I want to work with. So at the time, it was the late 90s, and I'd finished SLC Punk and uh Go, and
0: I. Was SLC looking. Punk, let's just stop right now. It is uh, getting a sequel that you're shooting. we were doing summer. a sequel,
1: yeah, set 18 right. years after the original, with uh all re- returning cast.
0: And the original was actually shot in SLC? The
1: original was shot Salt in Salt Lake SLC. City?
0: Yes. And you're going back there?
1: I'm going back to the script takes place as a few, it has settings in a few other places as well. But okay. It, there, all of them in Utah? Be, not all of it in Utah.
0: Got it. Okay. Um
1: I, I can't give away, there's certain twists that I can't talk about, but there's People are super I excited
0: about. about another installment. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah and, and I tell you, I wasn't, you know, God bless James, but I wasn't sure what to think when I first heard James Marandino who wrote and the directed writer, the writer director of it got it and um, i mean you know, i worked with him on river made to drown and we did a dogma film with michael gorgin who played hero and bob and that called americana this right a really close great friend of mine we still lived together in silver lake as well okay uh but i wasn't sure what to think and it took me a few weeks to read the script because i was also filming something else at the time right but when i picked up that script and i read it i I think I finished that script in less than an hour. It's so good. It, it's, really, it, it's, so it's so good. good. I, mean, I have I let Nick read sequences of it. You know, uh-huh. I can't give certain things away, and I don't want to upset anybody. Sure. But that script is one of the best script I've scripts. Excuse me. That script is one of the best scripts <laughs> I've read in years. Huh. Uh You know, it sounds cliche, but that script's fucking awesome. That's Holy great. shit! Now, and I can say that. Let me
0: just ask you one question. That script is fucking awesome. And there was some other fuck you story that you just told. But every time you referred to the title of Totally Fucked Up, it's always totally effed up.
1: The reason I'll tell you, there's actually a specific reason for that. Because we wanted something that was very subversive, or not I shouldn't even say me, I was just happy to be a part of it. But Greg uh-huh. wanted something that was very subversive. Right. He wanted to put something on a marquee that wasn't fuck you, but fuck you. Okay. So if he put up totally effed up, you have it. You can put it on a marquee. It's right. not a cuss word, but right. it is a Everyone cuss knows word. what it is. So yeah. then it became, you know, it became our thing of like, oh, it's totally F asterisk. We used to spell it out, totally F asterisk, asterisk, asterisked up. But the, the title of the movie is totally is fucked totally up. It's totally fucked up. Correct. Right, okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right. It's it's just a way of being subversive. So by saying totally deal. Upped up, it's like so you're saying fuck. It's like, no. "Well, I, you actually you just said fuck." But all yes, right. that's what we're saying without saying it.
0: Now, why do you think um why do you think there's a sequel to SLC Punk that's being shot all these years later because of well, is there some business in there? In terms of it being, of having performed very strongly on home video or becoming a real cult affair?
1: I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm, I'm definitely sure a part of that is... Who released is, it? Is a part of it, uh, Sony Picture Classics. But, but uh, did not pay for it, right? No. Well, yeah, they, they helped us make it actually at the time. It was they still did. the late 90s, so they were doing stuff like that. They were that. still actually yeah, paying for movies instead of just releasing them? At movies. Okay. But um, I think in a big part, you know, because James comes from that world, he was, you know, raised you know, Mormon raised Catholic in a Mormon city. Oh, okay. And you know, he's already repressed by the Catholic religion. Then you find yourself repressed by another religion. Right. So it's like the ultimate rebellion was punk rock and it existed. And these were real characters that lived there. Right. But then came upon the time where so much kind of has changed. And, you know, cause this title of the film is called punk's dead. Okay. And where does that fit in? If you were uh, the, College student, and you find other, at least a few other like-minded people that that see things like you, and you're able to rebel and speak out and find your individualism. How right. does that fit in when you're 40? How does right. that fit in if you have kids or a family or trying to pay for a roof? Or you're, how right. are you? Can you still be punk rock? How can you make a difference? How can you change this system? Right, and and and, and in that. It's what makes it such a brilliant script. It's exactly true in spirit to the first one, Interesting. but set now and it has a lot of relevance. And that's really what blew me away about it.
0: And who's paying for this one? Do you have a sense?
1: Um, I'm not sure. I'm, I think Sony picture classics might have their fingers in there. Don't right. quote me on that. Right, um, right.
0: If, you think they'll definitely release it though?
1: Oh yeah, we're going We're going into production late uh, late summer, August, September. You nice. we to start filming.
0: In time for Sundance, right? in theory
1: or yeah or at least 2014 release you can well make, for pre- sure yeah pretty but quick
0: you could make sundance if you're depending on james could yeah when he's, you start as a
1: workhorse that guy yeah
0: yeah um interesting
1: but yeah you know in the world they're also trying to they would like to enter without ward the martin landau michael gladys alexis disenya film and right right there as well um yeah i've been you know so so dark Darko, which brings me to yeah. these films you know i i always asked to work with people I loved. And at the time I saw Rushmore, and I was so taken by Jason Schwartz, still am. I think he's a fantastic actor. I just, I love his personality. I love his, his craft. I think he's fantastic. And uh, I really wanted to work with him. And they sent me the script. Donnie Darko. This is Jason Schwartzman playing Donnie Darko. And I'm thinking, wow, this really weird script. Yes, he yeah. just blew my fucking mind. He was, and, I,
3: and he I know Richard was Kelly, you just blew my mind.
1: He was signed to Donnie Darko, or at least in negotiations. Jesus. that's what I was told. That's and the weirdest. I auditioned movie for it, ever. And he, it. makes sense though. Yeah, I auditioned for the film, and he was a. And, you know, I remember reading the script and not really getting it, but loving it and reading it. You know, as an actor, you need to figure out what this means for you, even if it's never shown on film. It's very important, these backstories and these things that you hear about an actor's craft, actually developing characters, everything to make sense of your character and what you're doing and your motivation. So, right. I created this whole backstory and like, what, you know, it, kind of, it was such a cool script. It was fun to do to create right. this Frank character, kind of read it over and over before I even go in and understand that, oh, I'm his sister's boyfriend that she's always on the phone with that drops her off in the beginning before the jet engine falls. Right. Uh, there's alternate realities going on. And I've always had a thing about, sci- you know, physics and science. So, you know, I was just in Twilight Zone, which was how I saw the film at the time. So I was very, very excited to be a part of it. So I auditioned for Rich Kelly and Sean McKittrick and Drew, Barrymore and Nancy right. Bonin and they gave me the part. Uh, thank you again, all of you. I love you very much <laughs> to this day. And, uh, Jake, I mean, uh, excuse me, Jason dropped out. He was conflicting with another film he was signed on to so he couldn't do it anymore and they got this new young and up and coming actor named Jake Gyllenhaal who wow. I'd actually heard, known from October Skies, which is an, right. an, an, another awesome film. Right. And so I was Directed really excited. Johnston, of course, right? Was Maggie first or him? He came, and I then did. Maggie came right. as you know, uh, as his sister, and uh, and they just had this great dynamic together. Uh, but I remember, you know, saying, you know, well, that's good enough for me. You know, we got a cool script. I wanted to work with Chase, but I don't even care anymore. It's more about just Donnie Darko. Do you
0: have a sense of how much that movie cost?
1: Yeah, uh, it was uh, less than five million.
0: Right, and where did you shoot most of it?
1: We shot most of it here in Los Angeles, actually. Like where? Uh, we movie shot location up in, junkie. When he wakes up, it's in Calabasas with the clouds covering everything up in the hill mountains, so it looks okay. like Virginia. Uh-huh. Uh, we shot at this sort of private, I think it's a Catholic, I'm not sure, some private school down by downtown LA for where Donnie was going to school. Okay. Uh, we shot uh, his house and Jim Cunningham's house in Long Beach, in a really sort of beautiful, exclusive neighborhood in Long Beach. Okay and then some stages that they had built after the airplane and uh, the psychiatrist's office and a uh, f- few other scenes. Um, the, the sequence in the movie perfect.
0: theater is actually in the in Aero the, Theater? It is
1: actually in the Aero Theater. That's where you shot it? We shot it there, yeah. Right, okay.
0: And um, Matt and I were talking earlier. Anytime that rabbit is on screen. You are in the costume or?
1: All of it except for one tiny shot in the film where I was actually shooting Americana with James Marandino at the time. So I was shooting two movies at one time. Okay. Actually I was shooting Donnie Darko with, uh, Rich Kelly and then I was shooting, uh, Americana. Right. With James Marandino. So Michael what's Gorgia. the, what's the shot that it isn't you? Do you have a sense? I believe it's a sh- No, I don't. I don't even know if that shot's in the movie. You can't remember. No, because I actually just recently watched it with someone, and, and I remember all those scenes where they're at
0: doing them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting.
1: But um, yeah. Well, that when you know when I auditioned for them, they, you know I said uh, I said oh, that's really great. So do you have any questions? I'm like, no. I actually, guys, want you to know I absolutely get this. It makes sense to me. And they kind of just looked at me weird for a second. <laughs> like, go, oh, by the way, if you play the Bonnie, we want you to be in the outfit and do the voice. I was like, oh, okay, thank God. Cause I was trying to figure out how I was going to break into that. Cause I would love to do that. Cause that means I'm going to work more days and make more money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They did this. They laughed when I said that, but I'm dead serious. I mean, I was thank you for letting me make more money. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, you know, put me on the film for two, two and a half weeks. Wow. and It was one of the easiest jobs I ever had
0: that you worked like two and a half weeks
1: on and off. Yeah. Right. Okay. I come in, put on the bunny outfit, turn my head, scream through the mask. Come, then come back six months later once we're done filming and add the voice to it.
0: Huh? Good questions, Cohen.
1: Darker questions.
0: Yeah. Um, we shot the film in twenty-eight days. Is that true? That's true. Wow. Wow. Did you have a sense when you were involved that it would become such a cult item?
1: No, you know, it's been a really interesting journey for Donnie Darko because I think anybody ever knows yeah, when you're doing it. That'd be pretty, I mean, that's pretty, I so terrifying. I think movie. the only time I've ever read a script and been like, this is gonna be huge, was when I read In Independence Day. Yeah. Well, I was like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm telling you, it's gonna be huge. Yeah. This is amazing. <laughs> they got the
2: guy from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah. How can we go wrong? <laughs> Maybe even Uncle Phil will show up. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: at the time, believe it or not, at the time, Bad Boys just came out. So it was like you guys saw this other side of Will for the first time. Did you know that
2: was supposed to be John Lovett's Dana Carvey? Yeah, right. I'm lost.
3: <laughs> no, I'm bad boys. Bad boys. Instead of Martin Lawrence. <laughs> I haven't followed him, you, dude. You didn't get that joke? No. We're going to have to explain the joke he just made, which is a very good joke. Uh No, it has nothing to do with short. it was just that Schwartzman was supposed to be Donnie Darko, so he was joking that... John Lovitz and Dana Carvey were supposed be to be Will Smith and Martin,
1: Martin
2: Lawrence.
3: Lawrence. <laughs> and I'll Smith. get you, like, flashcards right. next time we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh,
1: I think not, it's a mixed-up callback. Internet's not fast, fast enough. <laughs> enough. <laughs> uh, Adam Sandler
2: was supposed to be the bear Jew. Uh. <laughs> and Inglorious Bastards.
0: Um, all right, so give me the breakdown from, from the land of prop and costume collecting. You know a buddy of mine has the costume.
1: Yes. And, and Kirk Hammett.
0: He's got the hero costume, costume and, and the, the hero head.
1: Well, one of them. But the one I wore, actually, Kirk Hammett has. But have you touched that? I have. I've seen
0: it. I've. And what makes you think that's the one you wore?
1: Because the one I wore at one point had to be re-glued right here, and the glue is dripping down the mask, and it has that on there.
0: How many masks were there, though?
1: That were made that I heard of three. One was chromed. Right. And, and sits in Nancy Yvonen and... Her husband, you know, that big talk show host guy, Jimmy Fallon, oh. in their house. Okay. As a gift from, it was a gift from Rich Kelly and Sean McKittrick for helping. The movie would never have made it without Drew Barrymore and Nancy Yvonne and flat I
0: heard there were a bunch of chrome ones made as gifts for people who were involved in the movie. The only movie. one that
1: I've ever known is one. I've heard there were three. This is from the mouth of Richard Kelly, at okay. least that I recall. There right. were three masks. One was chromed when we finished the movie because we didn't need it anymore. Then there was the one I wore and an extra one. Right, okay. I very well have may wore. I very well may have worn both. Okay. But I remember one of them having the glue coming down. Because the thing is it's not it is my character's Halloween costume that he died in. It's not necessarily a living, breathing character. Right. And you see that when you finish watching the movie, he's still sketching the mask and putting the materials together to make it. And right. then when they flash back thirty days before or excuse me, yeah, thirty days before Halloween, twenty eight days before Halloween.
0: Right, right. Interesting. And, you
1: know, he reaches up and touches his eyes, you know, and then the teachers wake up together and everyone gets a sense that something's happened to them, but they're not sure. Right. And the only real sequel that existed, Donnie Darko, could never be made because they already made Final Destination. If you go onto the website of Donnie Darko, which is still up and follow the future of the characters, yeah, you find out that everyone dies in very strange kind of Final Destination, excuse me, Final Destination occurrences. Right. Following the past year or two when Donnie passes. Right, right. So,
0: all right. That's the only truth. You- I'll tell you now. I'll tell you some stories that I've heard. I'll tell you off mic. But it's all there's a lot of interesting provenance stuff around those masks.
1: There's like, I've heard very a lot of stuff questionable over the years. Stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff over really? the Really. And about it.
0: your friend who provided the mask that you're going to put on so i can take your picture absolutely for our illustrated episode guide your friend probably knows a lot of this
1: he knows quite a bit but and then there's it, he reached out sketchy to people to unfortunately be, um,
0: have been involved
1: yes yes it's kind of that's kind of how Hollywood. it is business yeah yeah
0: exactly it's very very difficult to avoid. <laughs> exactly as so far as you know there was only ever one costume made
1: there may have been a uh, uh, backup, but I only ever wore one, right, okay. and it was fitted for me—believe it or not—for okay. my height and my build. So, even though it was baggy, like this outfit of skin and bones, it was for my height and my build.
0: Right, right. Interesting. Everyone wants to know what did you wear under that costume, Jimmy? Well, oh, it was
1: hot. I, I, I should have. <laughs> I just get—I do not want—I didn't want any ball rashes,
0: <laughs> so I just wore jeans and a t-shirt under it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was kidding. Um, Oh, I'm, no, I'm not. I when I'd did you know the for, I'm thing? I'm all about free balling. When did you know the thing?
1: I go full front and with without Ward. I mean, I'm like, oh, oh, Jimmy's
0: naked in like every movie.
1: And well, you wait till you see the European cut. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Of without Ward, he's doing a European cut. Oh, really? See me yank it, Ugh. and it's just like because what I'm looking at is <laughs> not very attractive. <laughs> oh, the Europeans will love that cut.
0: <laughs> um. When did you first know that Donnie Darko was like, that it was, when did you first see it?
1: I first saw it at Together. Sundance. And uh, at Sundance. Okay. Which is a, a unique cut all in itself that doesn't exist. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and I was blown away. And I it really, I thought it was going to be a great movie, but it came out even so much more magical than I t- anticipated. Okay. Um. So I expected it to kind of at least do decently. And, you know, there, uh, there's so many factors when you release a movie, but coming out with a plane engine crashing on someone's house a month after 9-11 was not what people wanted to see so our theatrical release we stand to this day as 600,000 in the theaters
3: i remember vividly so i was um we were um, a
1: box office failure
3: i want to say i was twice, in like right?
1: twice yes. and we still failed at the box office again i
3: want to say i was in like 10th grade when that movie came out maybe Maybe ninth or tenth, whatever it was, two thousand and one. Um, and I remember vividly. I grew up in Long Island, and there was a small independent like arts theater, and uh, Darko was the first movie in a run throughout my my high school years of like I saw the trailer online because that's when things were first kind of started popping with Ain't it Cool News and shit like that. And I think the trailer came out like a good few months before the release of the film. And I was more excited for Donnie Darko than I'd ever been for that any fucking so great movie in my life. It. And, and, and I saw it, and I I saw it in theaters. Which was They're really like one
1: of the fifty people. Which was that really did. cool,
3: because then I did that with like Amores Peros and Waking Life and E2 Mama Gosh, and all these movies that, movies that have become Memento, all these movies that had like thirty screen runs. Yeah. After Darko, I was like, oh, I'm never gonna miss one of these again. So I just went to every movie that looked fucking cool, yeah. And then
0: you met Richard Kelly.
3: Through Kevin Smith, yeah. But but years later, I, and I think the first time I met him, Southland Tales had already come out, and I am a massive Southland yeah, Tales fan. Yeah, actually, a lot of people didn't like, but I actually, I actually no. a big fan of it as yeah, well. Yeah, it's fucking insanity. <laughs> I don't get it, dude. Well, I, it's,
1: it's, it's, I read, I read the precursor comic so book. I, and I, yeah, yeah, And it's me too. still well, dude. I still. Well, I read, pardon I read, me for a moment. I'm gonna go let the baby lion in yeah, the yeah. denim cage.
3: I read, I read the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I read the comics. I was a fucking huge Darko fan. I saw the movie opening night. Uh, At the Angelica, and it was the worst movie I'd ever seen in my life. The first time I saw Southland Tales opening night at the Angelica, it was the single worst film I'd ever seen. So much so that I kept turning to a dude next to me in the movie, and we kept being like, what the fuck? Like, I hated it with a passion. I've now seen it like 60 fucking times. I can tell you every—I don't know why, but that second viewing back at my house, stoned— Right. without the pressure of fucking being in a movie theater or just right. being able to absorb it all, it's a genius fucking movie. And, um, it's not a movie. It's a genius piece of art.
0: There's only ever been one cut,
3: right? No. There's the... um there are like a 4 hours. There are three cuts. There's released. Released, yes. Yeah. There's the con cut, which Richard Kelly will tell you himself you can find online if you really want to, that badly, because he wants people to see it. Okay. There's like the four-hour con cut, and then there is a... I believe there is a... uh a shorter cut that didn't wind up getting released that the studio wanted to go with, but just never happened.
2: I was working on a TV show called Justice the same time that they were shooting. Southland? Like, I think they went, I don't think they went dark, but they like stopped shooting, then they went back and shot more stuff
3: for like three weeks or something, we were seeing all that stuff going on. The, the, and the, I mean and I'm again I'm a I'm a self admitted like massive Richard Kelly Southland Tales fan. But the, the most interesting thing anyone ever said and uh was Kevin Smith had mentioned it to me actually. He was like the first script for South the first pass of Southland Tales was there was no sci fi there was no. It was like shortcuts. Like yeah. he said, it was just. It, he said it probably would have won
1: an Oscar. There was too. no time travel. There, yeah, he said Sean all William of that. Scott element... did not split into two different characters. Yeah, I, I really want to get my hands on good. that. Sounds good. He was actually. Yeah. He was actually really twin brothers. That's what they were. That's in the awesome. Yeah. and yeah. so I guess the. I have movie, it. Actually, do you really? I
3: do. Oh, that's awesome. dude. after the show?
1: <laughs>
0: I still have to see it.
1: Rich gave me, Rich gave me a copy yeah. of it a long time ago.
0: Well, what's the? I mean. Let's say I'm only going to see this movie once in my life. What cut should I? The
3: theatrical. That's fine.
1: Yeah. Which is the standard home video edition?
3: Which
1: is like two hours and thirty minutes long. Okay. Okay. Two fifteen. Right. Right. The Rock is so. uh, There's actually some great performances. The Rock's funny. Lou, Lou, Lou Taylor Poochie, Lou Taylor Poochie, everyone. I did a movie with Lou. He's an Evil Dead. Yeah, he's an yeah. Yeah, And I just finished doing a movie with him that's still not out. A couple years ago, called All Together Now. Yeah, it hasn't come out. I don't know what's going on. But Lou and I play best friends in it.
0: Hang on, just one second. It's so annoying when I have to actually like. It's something like. There's more than even on IMDb, but there's something like like eighty movies. That's uh, that's how many credits you have. Give or take. All right, hang on, Walt. No, not give or take. According to IMDb, eighty-two. And there's a couple
1: that aren't on there. Some of those are shorts.
0: From movies that are due to be released next year, 2014, all the way back to your first credit, "An Ambush of Ghosts" in 1993,
1: which is what I did after "Totally Effed Up." Okay, which is also 1993. Came out before. uh... All right, so
0: here's my question to you, just roughly. Between starting in 1993 and now, how many of the movies that you've done disappeared and have never been half. released?
1: Well, not been released. Probably half. 40. Half. 40.
0: 40 movies that you've done yeah. never got released. Yeah.
1: Well, when wow. I started acting, nine yeah. out of... When I started acting in the early 90s, nine out of every 10 films got distribution. Right. Now, it seems like... It, it, I would like to say 9 out of out of every 10 films don't, but it's probably closer to 19. No, probably closer to 49 out of every 50 movies don't get distribution. So maybe 1 out of 50, yeah. 1 out of 100. Yeah. That's crazy. It's absolutely, and I, I think I'd be realize. conservative every, with those numbers. All, all those
0: film festivals, all these fucking film festivals, well, you got, from Sundance all the way down to like the Newport Beach Film Festival down yeah. in Newport. It's like, you go and you see and you know, all the festival organizers are there and, Everyone's in the lobby with their folding tables and their, their posters and postcards and all this <laughs> shit. And the reality is like, for most of them, their movie is going away.
3: Yeah. I think the interesting thing now is do we redefine the, the definition of distribution? Because while a movie might not come out in theaters, it could pop on iTunes and Netflix and get
1: And do hundreds and of thousands, we've if not seen millions. Absolutely. We see that all, happen now, that things go viral and you just, like that. Now everyone's trying to figure out how to go viral. Exactly. Well
3: that's well, that's like what <laughs> we were what talking what I mean? about it's earlier. Like, okay. Yeah, try, how to make it's a like, cult film. Like, yeah. yeah, well there you go. Yeah.
1: Why don't we figure out how to make a good movie? Exactly. How about that? Remember yeah. that? You know when you want your actors to have the same eyeline you give them something to look at? <laughs>
0: wow, that's crazy. And um, of those 40 that you would say never got distribution, how many of those did you actually at least get a copy of on VHS tape? <sighs> Probably none. Wow. So the work is just
1: gone. I don't even necessarily chase it anymore. It's yeah. just it's it's not about the for me is I mean it business sense. And business-wise, it's good for me to have these things that I do come out. But acting-wise or craft sense, it's good that I'm exercising my craft, right. doing different genres and playing different characters, things I don't like, things yes. I don't want. It's something Randy Quaid said to me while we were doing Independence Day before, he went nuts. <laughs> when he only used to play nuts. But it was, yeah. he gave me some of the best advice I ever got. Which was? He says, I asked him. I said, you know, Randy, can you give some advice to a young up-and-coming actor who's really – just, I, I love to act, and I want to make movies, and that's just what I want to do. And he said, kid, work as much as you can and take whatever they give you. It's not about loving your character. Right. But you're an actor. That's not your job. Your job is to make that character believable, whether you like it or not. Right. Other people buy it. And if you do that, then when you get something you like, you'll spread your wings and fly. Huh. Poof. And did he go crazy? That's good. Not, yeah, wise words. He was very soft spoken offset. He wasn't these crazy characters that he appears in the films. He was very, he was a right. very sweet man, very kind of soft spoken, but you know, also had like this, you can still feel this comedic mischief with him. That was great, but he kept huh. it very much under the boil, you know, right. and it never came right. out very often. But yeah, he was not in any sense of the word nuts. Right. You know, and I, you know, I say that to make a joke. I don't know if he is now. I mean, I'd spoken to him in 10 years, regardless. Now, of what when was the last time interest? you talked to Roland and or Dean? I spoke to Roland at his, uh, party of his, maybe a few months back in November, maybe.
0: And was there any talk then of this ID for second and third?
1: Well, yeah, we had, uh, he had us all over at his house on Independence Day for an Independence Day party. And I remember. Hilarious. Uh, Jeff Goldblum was there. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I don't, was bill there some of the some of the independent state crew were there bill, bill Pullman, Pullman, yeah
0: played the president mr
1: president His,
0: the first lady was mary mcdonald right yes
1: did she make it through the movie or no not? she she passes right it's a very actually you know at the time you know and i haven't watched it in a while but i thought it was a very you know heart-wrenching scene it brought tears to my eyes you know, I remember she's like it's really really a sweet yeah. scene because she's like calling him a liar. And she's like, so what did the doctor say? He says, are you going to be fine? And when she says, you know, you're a lot she's a liar. It just chokes me. It's, she's fantastic. Those guys are fantastic. Yeah. And it was great to go from Independence Day to see her and work with her on Donnie Darko. Right. she's mom.
0: Right. She's Rose Darko. I want her on this show. She is. And
1: after that, I'm like, it's Rose Darko the president of <laughs> my like, dad.
0: Um. So there you are, Roland's house, which is not unlike Ju- the Jurassic Park Visitor Center. Yeah. You certainly go through large wooden gates that are not unlike the entrance to Jurassic Park to get there. And um, so what's the point of that party? Then he, he tells you all about two and three?
1: Well, he, he he's not told me the stories. I don't know what's going on. I I knew they talked about these ideas after we filmed it before Godzilla. But
0: he has talked about the existence of two and three with since you since
1: 96
0: good all all the road i'm leading you down here is that we can all be optimistic that you will have parts in two and three
1: i would i would like to be optimistic about that yeah i mean i know you he, hoping he just on collider they just you know as well as various other media sites but uh I read it on Collider.com. Right, uh, Steve, our Steve mutual friend site. Steve Weintraub. Yeah, exactly. Like a champion. Yeah, we used to collect Star Wars toys. Just together. a great. Um,
0: He's a huge. Aggressive fan. website. You yeah, know? And the he, guy never sleeps.
1: No, it's it's insane yeah. actually, and I you know we don't get to hang out enough. I've seen maybe once or twice a year now, but yeah, you know, and that Roland said Frosty it. Frosty Skywalker. Know, yeah, he said. uh Roland said that it was. You know, when the aliens sent out a distress signal, which we discover, but we don't know when they're coming back. Right. So, you know, you can go through Wormhole and come back in a few weeks. But right. once you start, and we know this through physics, at least if we're using that type of physics or based right. on that, which he is right. in the film, that when you travel at that speed and come back, maybe only a couple weeks for them pass, but for us, 20, 25 years. Correct. So it's set 20 to 25 years in the future. You will have some recurring characters coming back, according to Roland, but they'll be minor characters. It's going to be more about the newer characters and The sons. Interesting. Like Will Smith's son. Right, okay. Uh, hopefully me. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. Uh hopefully the you know, the actor who plays my younger brother, stepbrother in it as well. Right. Um yeah, it's a sort of a new generation. Interesting.
0: And it's I'm sort ready. of interesting that um all these years later they want to do not just one but two. Well they they wanna actually they like want. do a trilogy but do but make a trilogy now out of a movie that to this point at least, has been freestanding, even if that was always their original it was kind intention. Of the, it was always kind of the they idea. just wandered off and made all these other movies before now they're coming back to... What also, it? it's a terrifying... Idea yeah,
1: well, it was an idea post the original film, post ID4. Well, it's done so well. People love it. I, we can probably right. go in these other directions with it. So right. that's not, it didn't come, it came up as an afterthought. Okay. So of course, you know, there was other things, you know, Roland definitely wanted to try and right. not just as, you know, with the love of, uh, American popcorn disaster films, but you know, right. like we see in The Patriot or you've seen Anonymous. Correct. You know, Roland's working on his craft.
0: Yeah. Roland's working on his, uh, Genius
1: craft. Yeah, he's becoming. Roland's become, working
0: on his cardio. He works out at my gym every morning. Yeah, I think he's that's great. Cra- yeah. You know,
1: I used to teach him yoga, but he stopped. He's on the treadmill. Didn't have time to do the yoga. It is a pretty tough yoga class. On, so I will not Yeah, he looks good, dude. I mean, that's good. To yoga. He looks the only great difference when I saw him him at is His, his at hair party. has gone
0: all white. It used to be a little more salt and pepper. His hair is all white now. But I don't think that guy's getting old. No, look at pounds. his
1: face. Look at his skin. He looks incredible. Yeah,
0: German. Yeah. And still pale, like yeah. translucent. I don't think
1: he goes out at all. He was actually pretty tan when I saw him a few months back, so it must have been over the winter. Not time. now. Yeah. yeah. Um oh, he'll get out. He'll have this pool party. <laughs> yeah, every
0: summer, the Roland Emmerich pool party. Yeah. It's like cue the theme from Jaws. <laughs> There's blood in the water, get out of the fucking pool. <laughs> That's not mine. And leave the party <laughs> leave get out of that party before two mine. in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Um <clears throat> it's for you. Yeah, no, it's just playing through. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's weird. It's like, for me, there were a couple of times Roland and I got to talk with you. Remember, we used to go hang out at the fucking Stinking Rose on La guy. I, I ago. do
1: remember that. I love that place. The
0: thing I love about Roland Emmerich is, like, when you talk Star Wars with him, talking Star Wars with him, or at least what it was, my experience of it, was talking about Ralph McQuarrie. Talking about John Barry, the production designer. Talking about Joe Johnson. Talking about you know John Mallow, one of the costume designers. That guy like is a hardcore nerd for that Spielberg Lucas stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, it's why he became a and, why
0: he became a filmmaker. But can rock it with us. You know, it's not about Roller bigger things. Cr- it's about the sand crawl, individual. Jawa sand crawler design and what made that I'd so great. I'd talk
2: about that instead of who shot first. Uh, I would, honor, too. Yeah. It's like, yeah no, I mean, ro- let's talk is, about. He's a
1: fanboy like us. Absolutely. The evolution of the which Star Destroyer. It so, yeah. it made yeah. it so easy to become friends with him. It's so easy to work with him. Yeah. Because that's really, all you want to work with like-minded people yeah. with the same passion and excitement and drive as you do. And to it's my like, mind, us-
0: still so, I mean, when, when it comes a big imagery. He's like a big
1: little kid when he gets excited about something. He's Great. really
0: talented yeah. at what at that thing, you know. Even uh, twenty twelve, like when you see the arcs, the arc design is fucking awesome, you know. He
1: loves that. All yeah, her, every, I mean,
0: all the every... stuff that excites me about two more Independence Day movies is the. The design of the city destroyers or the attackers, whatever. all that stuff. Yeah. The designs that he and Patrick Tatopoulos produced together. Well, and the designs, because one of the
1: things he also said in the article was, we can't replicate alien technology because it's organically grown from their world. Okay. But we can take things from it and put it in our technology. Right. So there's a strange hybrid, hybrid technology. thing that's going to Whatever come. that's
0: going to be. Yeah, yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So there's another spoiler taken from the words of... Steve uh, Weintraub. We- stay from Weintruck. the interview at
0: Steve Weintraub. Yeah, yeah. exactly, verbatim, pretty yeah, much. exactly. Um, did you give me the finger? Yeah, Cohen. Yeah, yeah I ate you. we're over an hour. All right, let's put this mask. On. Nick, let's put this mask. On. Um, social media. Are you on Twitter?
2: I don't twat, dude. I don't. You twat. don't twat. Um, yeah. Um, no, just. You this, do you have a just, Facebook fan page? Uh, no. They could just, if you want, you could just.
1: It's Message about...
2: me directly. Yeah, I don't have like a fan thing and I don't Nothing? Know. I just have my Facebook page that has like my real friends with fans and yeah. if fans get too weird does I just... Does Chrome and... Skull have a um I think like Anchor Bay, page? Anchor Bay set that stuff up and then the movie has some stuff and all that but I mean I don't... I don't do any of that stuff. No social networking. So, well, you know, like I said, if I, like I'll send you a friend request because I know you now. But yeah, like yeah, other yeah. than that, I don't know. It just it gets weird, right?
0: Oh, that's fine. Look at the size of that thing, dude. Jimmy just busted out his replica of Frank the Bunny yeah. mask so I could take a picture. Are you gonna take a picture too? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> We've all wanted it <laughs> at some point. And he actually.
0: He actually uh wore his jacket from Independence Day over here too I cause the jacket and the map. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's right
1: the I
0: asked him what shit he had from his movies.
1: I have more, but it's kind of like some of it's boxed up and some of it's in
0: different places. Right.
1: Yeah, right. Like you
0: know, right. Okay, hang on just one second. You should talk. I have to take pictures now.
3: Or you could just end the show and we could take pictures off the air when people aren't Jim fucking Twitter listening to an audio podcast. Jimmy Duvall. At, at Jimmy Duval on Twitter, we got at Jack Morrissey. I'll do the sign-off this week. At Jack Morrissey. Uh, Jack, Jack underscore, underscore Morrissey. Morrissey. Two, R's two, R's. two R's, two S's. You can follow us. Teamjack.com. TeamJack.com. The Tumblr, the Pinterest, the Illustrated episode guide. Uh, at TeamJack.com. At TeamJack.com. The Facebook page. All that fun stuff. Um, I'm at Camel Toad. And... Uh Martin Wayne Marlon Wayne is calling. There's a lot of shit happening right now. We're not even on a fucking podcast anymore. Jack say out. Don't know which Wayne's it is. No. It's but it's a Wayne's. We're ah. out.